Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, October 8th. 
Tim Blanks and I have just returned from Paris Fashion Week, our first fashion week in more than 18 months since the start of the coronavirus pandemic back in March 2020. It was a seasonal tradition that Tim and I would sit down to recap the fashion season that was. And so we're happy to bring that to all of you again this week. Here's Tim Blanks, Inside Fashion. Hello, Tim. Welcome back from Paris. Hi, Imran. Thank you. Uh, this was your first fashion week in 18 months. And this comes after decades of attending fashion week regularly. I'm keen, I guess, first of all, to, to get your take on what it was like to come back after the pandemic and what your kind of thoughts and reflections are on, on how it all rolled out. Well, you know, it's probably, this is probably the longest I have not been to Paris in about 35 years. I mean, what what was it, March 3rd, 2020, after that last day of the fall shows last year, um, autumn shows uh, when I came back to London. So it's interesting because I think in a sense, everything changed and we haven't processed it yet. Really, it's going to take a long time. And, and on the other hand, being there, there was that real sense that people needed it to be, needed it to have that familiarity factor. I mean, I was stunned at how young people looked. I don't, I don't know if I remember them as being weathered, but it really looked like, in, the, in fact, the clock had gone back. It, it Maybe the sort of suspended animation. It was so there was, I, I was, I felt, initially I felt it was all a little bit creepy. And then I got into it, you know, it was so interesting. There were moments when I thought, I've seen some of these people six seven times a year for I've seen them more than friends and 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 then to see them again it was really like I'd just seen them yesterday so that was a sort of weird thing that everything had changed but nothing had changed as for the show I mean kind of the same thing I thought it was sort of interesting that I what people talked about about missing a lot obviously was the community and the human human contact and and I don't know what I think I feel Milan was a little more strict about things like masking and stuff than Paris was, although you you had to show vaccination certificates everywhere you went. So maybe that was the thing that made people a little, seem a little more casual about distancing and masks and so on, because that, sh that obviously that shadow still hangs over our lives. But there were amazing shows. Uh, there were some amazing shows. There were some amazing physical spectacles. And as much as I have thoroughly enjoyed the digital version of fashion over the last 18 months and really been enthralled by what some people have achieved, um, even achieving now, I mean, Dries van Noten didn't show physically, but I have to say that his, um, his video and his, his film and his collection were real high points of the season, I think. And then here's me, kind of a, a massive contradictions thinking, how gorgeous it would have been to see those clothes live because it was a really, really spectacular collection. But then somebody like Rick Owens, who who, who talked about his shows at the, in the Lido in Venice, his digital shows being a defiance in the face of adversity, coming back to Paris as a response to the, well, his response to the pandemic had been those shows, which were, you know, defiant and Spec spectacular in the way a Rick Owens show is spectacular, huge in concept and emotional impact and so on. Coming back to Paris, he, we're all wondering, you know, shows were smaller audience wise. A lot of them, a lot of them were smaller, the live ones that I went to. But he was like, 
after the pandemic, do we return with humility? And then he was called running through as he as he is such a brilliant thinker, or is that going to make him look kind of weak because he just assumes everybody else is kind of going to come back like thunder, you know, showing that they're un, they're unbowed by what's happened. So he his show, which was the first show I saw, the first show I saw for, for the first live show I saw for 18 months was appropriately absolutely stupendous um, on every level. Yeah, I remember your reaction, you know, when we sat down to watch the show because you'd already spent some time talking to him. And, you know, I could see you getting inspired in that old way that, you know, I remember from, from previous seasons. And it was nice to see that spark and glint in your eye. <laughs> My dead eyes. <laughs> the pandemic had, had kind of, you know, snuffed some of that out. I, the, other, the other show that you and I discussed at length, because we just thought it was such a, a shift, was, was Jonathan Lo, uh, Anderson's Loewe show. Uh, he changed the location. You know, normally we'd walk in and there'd be all of this inspiration from artworks and artists. And, you know, he just create these spaces that the, in a way the show space became a kind of canvas for his inspiration yeah, and all of the things he used. And the space we walked to, into this time at the Carreau du Temple was like as about as bare bones a space as you could get. It was, it was incredibly, I mean, he, he, he has always curated his, his environments and, and, he talks about making a room and once he has a sense of the room that the clothes will be shown in, then the clothes kind of, the clothes kind of take their cue in a way. And this time he did, he had a huge, big, empty space, but it wasn't really, it, it wasn't really a big empty space. He had designed the space. Of course. So that there was, we were in a big pine box, huge, you know, whitewashed pine box, but the models came out of a hole in the floor and so, you know, there was still that, and there was still a very, very clever web being spun. It just wasn't full of all the little curated details that they usually are. And my, because this, he, he of, of all the designers that, that we've followed so closely over the, over the periods of lockdown, his response to the pandemic was possibly the most creative in that every season he did something different a show on a book a show on a box a show on a wall you know just found these other avenues to communicate his his message i was kind of i was looking at the show just blew me away um the creativity in the show was just absolutely i mean i, I think it was maybe his best show uh for Loewe. you know you, you, obviously the thought runs through your mind that without all the window dressing without thinking about all the curatorial elements if with all that creativity being poured into the creation of the actual clothing, you know, whether that was a sort of compensation or the balance that for not having all the things that he usually has, maybe those things, you know, in hindsight, maybe they're kind of kind, they're like crutches in a way. And without the crutches, he just stampeded through the most amazing, challenging, but beautiful clothing. I, I mean, the, the I came out thinking the, the way that he reordered silhouettes and things. I mean, obviously everybody thinks about Ray Kawakubo at Comte des Garçons with, with that kind of- um, The lumps and the bumps. Yeah, except he did kind of prongs and points and, and 
and, and then just the way he can take, he, inspired by a Renaissance artist called Pontormo, but the inspiration becomes so abstracted. Yeah. It just becomes this incredibly beautiful. The other thing that happened was, you know, because I guess what I was trying to get at before is because this space was minimalistic and sparse, even though it was very intentional and designed with the hole in the ground, not only did he focus his attention on creating the clothes, it also gave the space, gave the clothes a way to speak in a way that maybe they wouldn't in some of those smaller spaces in the UNESCO building where people, you know, and there's like, it was filled with stuff. Like it was just like a canvas to showcase the clothes. And it just, it really put the spotlight on the clothes and the creativity as well. And they felt bigger in a funny way. They actually felt grander, more sumptuous. I mean, the metal inserts, the metal like breastplates, but showing a trench coat back to front with the bre- the best the breastplate on the, in the back of the coat but actually at the front of the coat i walked away from that thinking like surrealism well dada was a direct response to world war 1 the 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 catastrophe of world war 1 um dada was a sort of burst of of rage and creativity and so on and surrealism evolved out of dada i really this was an incredibly surrealist collection and i and i thought that's very clever that that's almost Jonathan Anderson isn't a predictable designer, but if anybody was going to create a surrealist, a surrealist response to what's happened over the last um, near, nearly two years, he would be the one to do it. And so it was wonderful to see him doing it in a way where there was a really, really complicated, well, an evolved concept, should I say, with such beautiful clothes. Yeah. The most talked about moment of the week i'd say pretty much undeniably was demna's red carpet come movie premiere come simpsons surprise <laughs> and and you and i spent some time with demna after you know he was taking congratulations from everybody in that you know really organic cocktail party that kind of just emerged very organically after the show in the same way that it might if you had gone to see theater with some friends or, you know, gone to a, a film and, and you know, had drinks after. And it just kind of culminated into this really joyous moment. And I, I remember talking to Demna and saying, you know, you look really happy. And he said, I am. And it, it just showed like, it, you know, there's something really freeing for him about stepping outside that very strict structure of that television studio on the outskirts of Paris that he had kind of stuck to right from the beginning of Valencia. He like, he broke the formula. Yeah. I, I, but he, he wanted, he said he wanted everyone to be happy. Yeah. You know, he wanted to make people happy. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, Rick Owen said something very similar that he, he wanted to bring happiness after this time. I mean, he obviously does it in a very different way, but um, Demna wanted but at the same time, you know, he is so the layers. If you want to, if you want to make a statement about distancing, the the whole notion of having this film premiere, that the collection being launched as if it was on the red carpet of a film premiere, and we sat in the auditorium like you do at the Oscars or an award show, or whatever, and you watch arrivals. You're watching arrivals on the red carpet, and that was his collection arriving, mixed in with the guests. That was all about it. That was all about a distance. And then showing The Simpsons, that was also about a distance as well, you know. So kind of maintaining the essence of this isolated 
time that we've all been living through, but then also bridging it with this kind of this, this familiarity, these sort of iconic, these iconic figures, like cartoon characters. They're not real, but at the same time, they've been part of everybody's lives for 30 years or so. Just super clever. I, and, but also more than super clever, it was so entertaining and so adorable to see Lisa and Maggie walking down the catwalk in Balenciaga gowns. It was also a commentary, yeah. wasn't it? Completely, utterly. And that's what he excels at. I, I thought it was funny that, as usual, the trolls came out and started firing off their troll-esque barbs about him. But I think it was so transcendent. He's sort of above all of that now. He's risen above all of that. Yeah, uh, and I actually thought there was some really great clothes in the collection as well. When you came down to earth from the Simpsons, no, I mean I think there were some really what's come to be kind of Demna classics in, in the mm. Balenciaga collection, but there were also some evolution with the accessories. You know, I had buyers and kind of department store executives talking to me about the bags and the boots, and so it was clearly resonating on a product level as well. So you know, he managed to achieve everything with that show you know um in my conversation with him for the bof show we spent a bit of time talking about overconsumption in the luxury industry and how it kind of propels this need to buy more and more stuff and so we talked about that and then we saw at the louis vuitton show uh, an extinction rebellion protester managed to get almost all the way down what was a very long runway. They had clearly managed to sneak in uh, to the show. I watched a video uh, on Instagram of the protester and she explained that she snuck in and she sat in a seat that was empty and just hoped that the person wouldn't show up and they didn't show up. And there was apparently three or four of those protesters at that show. And while security was tackling um, one of the other protesters, she seized the moment uh, while they were distracted to walk down that runway. And her, her banner read, overconsumption equals extinction. Exactly. It was a kind of really surprising end to Fashion Week in Paris, but really drove a conversation amongst customers and consumers and the industry, you know, for the next couple of days after that. You know, what, what, did, what did you make of it? Well... The, when she appeared, she was quite calm. She walked, as you said, almost the length of the well, I didn't, I, the catwalk was so long, I couldn't see what was going on, going on down the end. But she was so untroubled by security or anybody that for one crazy moment, I thought, God, is this part of the show? Because, yeah. I mean, it did, it did occur to me that the, because what, what Nicola Gaskier was doing with the collection was this, was this, historical overview I mean of, of in reading the notes and so on I mean almost like a vampire ball and he's just been working on um on the tv show Alicia Vikander's show yeah and dressing her for a, a series called Irma Vet which of course is an anagram for vampire so I, I again you mentioned the comment in in Demna's show I was wondering if this was some kind of slightly sort of counterintuitive comment in this show Although it did, it did obviously, I, I did mention this that overconsumption equals extinction before extinction is decadence. And I felt that possibly that was really where the show was 
what the show was pointing towards more with this notion of, of a ball under 50 chandeliers, uh, you know, in a very, in a very um, resonant part of the Louvre, historically resonant part of the Louvre. Louvre Vuitton used to travel down that corridor to meet Empress Eugenie and show her trunks and luggage and things. I thought, yeah, I thought afterwards that, that, that the comments seemed to be more about a sort of vampiric opulence, maybe, mm-hmm. which the Extinction Rebellion woman involuntarily signposted or spotlit. So you don't really get those things happening that much in fashion. I mean, there used to be fur protesters, a lot of fur protesters, but to, I think it was just the sort of the sort of stateliness of her walking down the, the catwalk, holding her banner, and like just so big. And and it was a very, very strange sub it was strange, but sort of strangely appropriate subtext for the very, very last show of Fashion Week. Indeed. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up 
Swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know, Tim, we were talking earlier that it, it feels like maybe the system hasn't changed as much as perhaps people were hoping or expecting it might in the middle of the the pandemic and the lockdowns. But, you know, one thing that I wanted to ask you about is if you thought the people in fashion had been changed. You you sat down uh, for interviews with Mucha Prada and John Galliano and Terry Mugler, but also you caught up with so many people across the fashion industry that, as you said, you've been seeing for multiple times a year, but you hadn't seen them for 18 months. Do you think the the people in fashion have been changed by what's happened? Like I said, I think everybody was incredibly grateful to get back to their community and to get back to work in the sense of people maybe questioning what they did, which would be the change that you might hope to see, like trying to find a new value in their work, maybe. I didn't see maybe as, I mean, I felt like morbid Mary. You know, I'm, I'm naturally quite, quite a, I guess I'm a sort of pessimistic optimist or an optimistic pessimist. No, I'm an optimistic pessimist. That's what I am. And I think people were acknowledging the intensity of of the surprising, maybe the surprising intensity of the last few months. But I think the ideas that we were hoping would would become more prevalent in fashion when we launched Rewiring Fashion um, and the forum with Dries, um, Dries van Noten did, uh, they formed at the same time. I don't see, I mean, we're back in the calendar. We're back on people feeling stretched for time. Those things that that sort of human, that human cost, I'm feeling that those changes that we were anticipating didn't happen. Did you feel like people were more vulnerable and honest with you about, do you think people had put away a bit of the kind of false facade of everything is fine everything is great and just maybe people are a bit more open. I never felt that people were particularly closed to begin with. I think it is, like I said, it's it's a community. It's like the watering hole. Yeah. And I think once all the wildebeest gather at the watering hole, they're just glad to be there and safe from the lions marauding around on the, outs- on the perimeter. Mm. And <laughs> I mean, in terms of people spilling their guts to me about things. Not spilling their guts, but I had several conversations with people who kind of not just explained how the pandemic had, you know, impacted them, but they were just, I think there was a bit more openness, you know, and I'm not talking about just people who are, you know, close friends, because of course you have a certain level of openness with your friends that, you know, that's part of having, sharing a friendship. But there were you know, more industry and professional contacts where there was just a bit more vulnerability and you know, in, in people just disclosing some of the things that they had been through. And I'd not experienced that a lot in fashion where it's it's always this, you know, two-cheek kiss and everything's great. You know, there's a bit more rawness to the conversations, which I really valued because it felt like, well, maybe the system hasn't changed, but the people who work in that system have been changed. And that's maybe going to change the way the industry interacts 
with each other. That would be wonderful. Wouldn't that be ideal? I mean, you, you talk about being more open. I guess maybe Mucha Prada doing that collaboration for the Miu Miu show, um, her first collaboration with an artist. She's always resisted the idea of collaboration. Obviously, she's she's working with Raph on, on, on the signature line. But, yeah, I think that talking to her, I get the sense that I got the sense that there was a, uh, there were, yeah, you're right, openness, that she was ready to explore other possibilities. And I think that's what John Galliano was talking about too when we had our conversation, that, that the idea of going back to a show didn't feel to him as full of possibilities as the course he had laid out for himself during the pandemic. I mean, we say, we say that as though it's over and it's not. I, I'm curious to see what happens over the next year or two um, with a, with a, a, a new reality. I, I guess it does come back to community collaboration. I don't know how fashion can honestly reconcile itself to the damage it causes. I mean, the, the, big, the big story is obviously, the biggest story is obviously still the climate crisis. Um, sustainability, I have to say sustainability wasn't a word that I heard as much this season as I did the last season before the pandemic when mm. people were talking about the future. So may, maybe that maybe you, you, you could probably tie that to the changes that have, the changes that have, that have come, that people are more, in, more engaged by actual sort of human you know, the, the climate crisis is a massive global issue that Im impacts on absolutely everybody. But in, in the immediate moment, people were keen to reassert the value of simple humanity, maybe. The humanity, pretty much a, a wide cross-section of the humanity of fashion uh, turned up on the final evening of Paris Fashion Week to pay tribute to Albert Albaz, who, of course, passed away of COVID you know, in the middle of the pandemic, caught everyone by surprise. His new business partnership with Richemont AZ Factory had released this, you know, what I thought was a super creative film that he was really excited about and engaged with. Uh, and the industry didn't really have a chance to say goodbye to him. So his partner organized for 45 designers and brands to kind of pay tribute to Albert's history in the fashion industry and, you know, through a single design. And we saw them all paraded down the catwalk at the Carreau du Temple. And you had the billionaires from across the industry, Mr. Pino and Antoine Arnaud, and the, the Puig family was there. You had, uh, you know, pretty much every major fashion designer working in Paris present to pay tribute. You know, it was really amazing to see all of these talented designers interpret their version, their best version of an Albert look or, you know, signature that had stayed with them. I, I thought what was interesting, and I feel that Alex was kind of honoring not a last wish, but a, a, a longtime dream of Albert's to Alex Koo, his, his partner, was... Albert loved the, the idea of the Théâtre de Mode. The, yeah, the he was realizing one of Albert's dreams. Yes, that's right. right. And so actually what the, sh the show made sense to me is a sort of celebration of fashion because yes. that was what Albert loved. This was about Albert as a sort of idea, you know, that he, and it was, as it was a celebration of the industry that he 
was so passionate about. And, and, and on that level, I thought it was spectacular to see so many designers, um, you know, some of them directly referencing Albert, uh, um, Maria Grazia Curie and, and um, Ralph Lauren and, and Dries Van Oten, they directly, and Olivier Roos saying they deliver, they, they um, reference Albert's personal, you know, his sort of, he made himself into an avatar basically in life. Um, and then others just made made dresses that were somehow suggestive of his work um, with fabrics or shapes or ruffles or colors or whatever. So I thought on that level it was it was like you said everybody was there. So it was it was it was a watering hole. Um, it really emphasized that it emphasized community at the end of a week that I think people were probably pretty grateful had come off. Yeah, as well. I as mean, it was a coup. No pun intended. It was a coup for Alex Koo to organize and pull that yes, off because absolutely. I've never seen that cross section of industry players together in one room and, you know, to, to kind of manage to get it all done. It must have been a gargantuan task and just kind of speaks to the, you know, the, the love of between them and the strength of their partnership and, you know, the dedication that Alex had to kind of realizing this dream for Albert. It was tinged with sadness. And and when you hear Love Train by the OJs coming on at the end, and I think of him at our at BOF Voices dancing, yeah. you know, and he really he just loved all that stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it, it always worried me with Albert that he didn't he he didn't know how loved he was. Yeah. And you know, there were he had dark, he had dark times, and I've saw him and we would talk, and I and I and it's one of the, it always happens. You you wish that people could see that before they pass on. Yeah, you know, it's and 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 Alex said afterwards he would have loved that. Um, he would have, um, and it would have been lovely for him to know how much he was loved. Indeed. And I wish he had known that maybe when he was alive. Yeah, but I'll say something else though that I thought in the celebration of fashion, if you think of some of the other shows we saw during the week, that maybe was. A, a sort of theme that if you looked at Chanel celebrating an old school fashion show in the original Paris location and the Carousel de Louvre where Karl Lagerfeld did those shows that were just swamped with supermodels laughing and swinging their hair and, and swinging their hips and twirling their hair and engaging with each other in the audience and photographers were all around the catwalk before it all became very kind of schematized like it is now. So that was a celebration of fashion. I think the Valentino show had that sort of celebration as well. That the during the week you felt that actually ultimately just about all, everything, everything you could could be could be painted as a celebration of the fact that you know we survived. And uh, I don't know. So I guess now the question is, where does fashion go from here? Did you did you see did you? Did you get a hint of any answers this week? I didn't. I didn't either. I think I think you're right that this week was just about getting that community of people back together. But I don't think there was a lot of discussion or interest in that moment to talk about all of the challenges that still lie ahead. It was like just savor the moment. They were there before the pandemic and yeah. they're there now and maybe even worse. And yeah. Um, yeah. I'm... I, I think what it was was people reaffirming their their commitment to what they do, yeah. and I think in the moment it was 
more about us. Yeah. You know, I would say a final note, the show that I, a show I didn't see, but obviously, you know, I watched it online that really, that really excited me was uh, Francesco Riso's show for Mani in Milan. And that you saw, there was something else in that show. There was a, there was some other, there was a spirit there, community, obviously, bang, the community gong, but it just, there was some, it felt like a new road. Yeah. And, and so that, you know, I walk away having, having seen things that made me feel extremely good about fashion. And I walk away having seen other things that make me think it's really a huge work in progress. So, Well, on, on, on that note, I thank you for your thoughts. And it was obviously great to be back with you in the back of the car, having these chats and great that we can share it with our BOF podcast listeners. Thank you all for tuning in. This is an, a seasonal tradition for Tim and I that we haven't been able to repeat for quite some time now. Um, but hopefully uh, in Fashion Weeks that come, we'll be able to bring this back. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Imran. Have a lovely day. This is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Hopefully you'll tune in next time on the BOF Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the BOF podcast for our look inside fashion and how it connects to currents in the wider world. If you're not yet a BOF professional member, join today with our 30-day risk-free trial and benefit from exclusive access to agenda-setting analysis you won't find anywhere else. The BOF podcast is edited and produced by Emma Clark, Kate Bartan, and Kevin Bobby Blanco in the BOF studio team. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.